Welcome to the Art Stories Podcast. So there I was, standing in front of a group of strangers attending a football game, being cursed out about Doritos. A minute or two later, Taylor Swift comes out and she like smiles at All-American Nashville smile and she, she introduces herself, she shakes my hand, hey, I'm Taylor. Hey, I'm the groom. We're bringing you true personal stories told in the Southern tradition and recorded in front of a live audience. I caught just enough of the video to see a very large man making this slow walk toward a van, wearing absolutely nothing but his underwear and coated in grease. And I'm going to stop right there, and the rest of it is history. I'm your host, Chris Kinsley. I'm sure we've all heard the saying, sometimes you just gotta laugh or else you'll cry. It's usually used when describing some situation that's so terrible or terrifying or even embarrassing that there's no way we should feel good about it. Yet, within it, there is also humor. And it's that humor that becomes our focus so that we don't completely break down. Well, in today's stories, our storytellers find themselves in two such situations. Lucky for all of us listening, they're not too terrible or anything, and the focus is definitely on the humor. This first one comes from an event we hosted in November of 2015, where our theme was Down on Your Luck, Stories for Friday the 13th. Here's storyteller Justin Fisher. I was raised at Route 1, Conahatta, Mississippi. C-O-N-E-H-A-T-T-A, Conahatta. It's a Choctaw Indian word that means dirty skunk. <laughs> now, you talk about being down on your luck, right? It's as if the obvious wasn't bad enough. For the rest of your life, you have to tell people you're from dirty skunk. But I am convinced that when you're down on your luck, there's no greater comfort than to have a friend who knows and understands what you're going through. God blessed me early in my life to find such a friend. You see, I was born with a condition called cerebral palsy. It's a neuromuscular uh, defect that uh, uh, limits my coordination. And uh, when I was three years old, I went to... Um, a place called the Mississippi Crippled Children's Center. Mississippi was just as politically incorrect back then <laughs> as they are now. And when I was there, I met my best friend. He was also three years old. His name was also Justin, and he had cerebral palsy just like me. And the connection was obviously immediate. And the story goes that one day, when our parents came to pick us up, that we were leaving the lobby at the same time. And I said, bye, Justin. And he said, bye, Justin. And our moms went, oh, our babies. They have to be together. And so, even though we lived on opposite sides of the state, our parents made sure that we grew up together. So we saw each other uh, Christmas break and 
spring break and summer break, and, and, and we grew up together. And then when we went to college, we roomed together. Uh, now imagine answering the phone, ring, ring, hello, is Justin there? Which one? The one in the wheelchair. Which one? The good-looking one. Oh, that's for you, right? We had a lot of adventures together, but probably my favorite is the time that Justin and I went deer hunting together. We had been deer hunting separately quite a bit with family or friends, but this was going to be our first trip together. So we made the plans, and we got up before the crack of dawn to get ready to go hunting. Now, if you can imagine, having cerebral palsy, one of the most physically challenging things I do every day is to get dressed. And if you're going to be out in the cold woods for a long time, you dress in layers. And all of those layers, most of those layers start at your feet. Put on clean underwear, because mama told you to. <laughs> Thermal underwear, insulated camouflage pants, thin socks, thick socks, insulated camouflage boots, all start getting on at your feet. And if you have cerebral palsy, your feet are wet down there. You, you think maybe God in his infinite wisdom should have put them up here. That'd be easier to reach. And it was just one of those mornings where you're just yelling in the other room, are you ready yet? No. Are you? No. So we finally get ready and we go out to load up in my handicapped accessible minivan, the perfect deer hunting vehicle. <laughs> Hydraulic lift that raises the wheelchair from the ground to the floorboard level. And then I transfer from my wheelchair to the driver's seat. I drive with hand controls. I have one hand on the steering wheel and one hand on the gas and brake. Let me pause here to say that if you meet me in the road, don't expect me to wave. <laughs> I'm a little busy. You might, you might get one, you, you, those, but that, that's all you're getting from me. It's very cold, it's very dark, and it's very foggy like driving through pea soup kind of foggy. Justin and I are joking and laughing, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this brown blur. And before I could say, think, or do anything, we were hit by a kamikaze deer. <laughs> do y'all know what the word irony means? Think about it. Two crippled men 
have gotten up hours before daylight. They have dressed in camouflage head to toe to, to go out way out in the woods and hope that if you sit still enough and quiet enough for long enough, maybe, just maybe, a deer would come by that you could shoot at. But if you're in this really big machine that has a loud engine and lights, and you just drive down the road, deer will just come along and thrust themselves headlong in front of you. It is the irony of all ironies. So we pull over, and you do a quick assessment, just major, minor, minor cosmetic damage. And now Justin and I have a decision to make. Do we go on out to our hunting spot and hope to kill a deer? Or just go back and get the one that's dead. Because if a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, what's a dead deer on the side of the road worth? Here's the other part of that. You see, Justin and I, whenever we had gone hunting separately, anytime we had killed a deer, we had to have someone that was with us bring the deer in. But this time, we had the opportunity to do it ourselves. As an aside, if you ever get a chance to help a handicapped person, one of the coolest things you can do is help them gain their independence. Because by helping them gain their independence, you have opened up the opportunity for them to have something that you couldn't give them, and that's dignity. And that's another irony, because what I'm about to tell you, there's nothing dignified <laughs> about the rest of the story. We go back to the spot. There's the doe laying dead as a hammer on the side of the road. She had kind of slid down a little bank. So we got out on our forearm crutches, hobbling. Now, you got to get the scene here. Hobbling down, okay? Nothing to use to pull with, so we pulled off our belts. <laughs> One belt around the neck of the deer, the other belt around the hind legs, pushed and pulled and pushed and pulled, got her to the top of the bank behind the minivan opened up the back doors, but try as we might, we just didn't have the strength to get her in the back. So we did the only logical thing. We said, let's put her on the wheelchair lift 
and let the hydraulics do all the work. Good idea. So Justin stays back with the deer, and I walk on my crutches, I get in the van, and I get in the six-way power seat, and I swivel around under the steering wheel. And you got to think, both back doors were open, the wheelchair lift was out, I kind of lost my bearings exactly where, where he and the deer were. So not wanting to run over the deer or Justin, I said, can you raise your crutch up in the air so I can see where you are? And he said, yeah, and he did. And about that time, I heard a car engine coming. Get in your brain what this car is about to pass. There's a dead deer on the side of the road with braided leather belts on her head and hind quarters. There's a cripple man standing over the deer, one crutch on the ground, the other one stuck straight up in the air. And he yells up at me, just act natural. I moved the van, we got the deer on the lift, but with a wheelchair, two sets of crutches, a rifle, and all of our hunting gear, there was no room inside the van, so we had to leave her out on the lift and leave the lift out, <laughs> which meant to get back to hunting camp, we had to drive in the middle of the road so we wouldn't take out mailboxes on the way. We made it back, and we have a great story to tell. Justin has moved to Idaho. We don't get to see each other as much anymore. So raise your coffee cups and your water bottles to friendship. And here's hoping that when you are with your friends, you can all just act natural. God bless you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Love you. Justin Fisher is a writer and economics instructor at Jefferson State Community College. You can learn more about him at his website, can'tevenwalk.com. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for any time at all, then you hear me mention our upcoming live events in every single episode. But you've probably also noticed that every single one of those live events take place in Birmingham, Alabama. And maybe you're nowhere nearby, or you have friends that would love ARC stories, but they live out of town. Well, we have some exciting news for you. We are going to be taking ARC stories on the road, and we want you to help us decide where we should go. All you need to do is fill out our survey at arcstories.com survey, and by doing so, you'll also be entered into a drawing for an Amazon gift card. Again, that's arcstories.com survey. 
Now, the storyteller in our next story finds himself in a much more shameful situation than Justin. And I should know because I am that storyteller. This was recorded at a live event we hosted for Father's Day back in 2014, where our theme was My Old Man Stories About Fathers. So here's my story called Let It Go. Um, In my opinion, there is perhaps nothing better in life than being able to share the things you love with people you love. And that is what I was most looking forward to about becoming a father, was being able to share with my offspring the things that I love about life, that I love to do, that I'm interested in, and hoping that maybe they would share some of those same interests with me. Now, chief among these things I was looking forward to sharing with my children is my love for movies. Um, I I love movies, as many people do, but it is definitely, that's the one thing I want to do all the time. If I have any free time and it's, what do you want to do? I want to go to the movies with, with friends, with family, with really, honestly, mostly just by myself. Like, that's just what I want to do. I regularly knock off work on Fridays and go to the movies because no one's around on Fridays, and so I can get away with it. And it just will go. It almost doesn't matter what it is. I just want to go. I want to sit in the theater. I want to eat the popcorn. I want to drink the Coke. I want to enjoy whatever it is on screen. And that's what I do. I'll do it at home. I'll stay up late at night just so I can have alone time and watch a movie. Like, I love it. Um, And so was super excited when my wife and I uh, finally had a little girl that is named Story to share with her this love of movies. And thankfully, Story shares that same love that I do. She loves movies as well. And it's not just like the kind of thing that, oh, there's images moving on a screen and I'm a mindless baby and I'm just caught up in it. And I like baby Einstein stuff or things like that. Like she genuinely gets involved. She cares about the characters. She wants to reenact things after she watches it. She talks about, she carries on the story in her head and we'll talk about it. I love it. And I love taking story to the movies and watching her now watch a movie. Uh, Because there's a lot of movies you take kids to that aren't particularly um, exciting for you. But I, I love experiencing that through her. Now, because she is a little girl in our culture, you can probably guess like what her favorite kind of movies are. And they are princess movies, mostly Disney princess movies. And going into having a little girl, I was definitely not excited about the Disney princesses whatsoever. And the reason why is because um, I feel like those movies like teach little girls something that's not super helpful. You know, it te- they teach them that they're waiting to be rescued, that they need a prince. Um, you know, there's lots of beauty images, issues and stuff wrapped up into that. Now, you know, I want to combat that a little bit as much as possible. But when I had a child of my own and she got into princess movies, I realized I had overlooked a huge positive. And that is that for her, when she thinks about that prince, she doesn't think about any little boy that's like in her class at daycare or in her Sunday school at church. She thinks that's me. I'm the prince. Like, and whatever story that she's reenacting, like, I am the impenetrable, undefeatable hero that can ride in at any moment. And not just in a story, like, literally in life. If she skins her knee, um, if someone is mean to her, she knows that she can call out to dad, and dad's going to come running. And dad's going to deal with it. Dad's going to come for her. Like, dad will come to the rescue 
He will be the hero. And I love that feeling. I love that she sees me that way. I like how that makes me feel. Because it is rare that I feel heroic to other people in my life. Uh, just to be honest, I, I just don't, I don't have that personality. I, I don't feel that way. And so I love that she gives that to me. Well, so combining all this in one thing, I knew that I was going to have huge success earlier, uh, or I, I guess at the end of last year in the fall, when I found out that Disney was releasing a new princess movie called Frozen. Now, if you don't have kids, maybe you haven't watched Frozen, but it's kind of saturated our culture. You've probably at least heard the main song from the movie. You heard John Travolta mispronounce Adina Menzel's name at the Oscars as Adele Dazeem or whatever he said. You know, it's based on The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen. And I didn't know a lot about it uh, going into it. I just knew it was an animated princess feature. And therefore, if I took her to see it, it would be a win. Um, and so we did. I came home one day, story, I want to take you to the movies tonight, there's a new movie. And we don't, we don't watch a lot of like uh, live TV at home, you know, we do Netflix, Amazon Prime, that kind of thing. But so she hadn't seen trailers or commercials or anything like that. She's going in blind, so I know it's going to blow her mind. It's going to be great. And I will once again come out the hero in a lot of different ways. And so we go, and going to the movies for us is an experience. Like we have rituals and things that are surrounded, and it's not just sitting in a theater. That we're going to go to the arcade, we're going to play the claw game. We're really good at it. I mean, we you know we might drop twenty bucks on it, but chances are we're going to come out. You know, one in twenty, we're going to hit one of those toys. So we're going to have a very cheaply made, overpriced toy that's going to go with us. We go into the photo booth. And we take the series of the four photos in the photo booth. We kind of do the same pictures every time. And it spits out two strips. So one strip gets hung on her door at home. The other strip goes with me to my office and gets hung there so we can, we can look at them and remember, you know, the night. And we go and we get the snacks. Like Story gets a little kid's, you know, value meal. She's got the popcorn and her little kid drink and uh, some fruit snacks. And I'm ordering, you know, my bag of popcorn and, uh, you know, my hot tamales and my large Coke. And do we want to upgrade both our drinks to the collectible? Well, yes, of course. So, you know, Story's got a character from Monsters University on the top of it with a straw, you know, and he's holding a straw in his hand kind of thing. And I get, like, the collectible Hunger Games bucket of Coke with Katniss Everdeen on the outside. And we load it up. And I have to explain the story. Now, be careful as we're walking. we got to walk up steps. you got to really hold it, you know, because if we spill it, like, we've ruined in the evening. There's tears galore, and, and there will be no recovery. So we've got to make sure this gets, and I'm stuffing the pocket, get everything. We get in there, we get in the movies, and we watch Frozen, and it's everything I expected to be. A, it's a pretty good movie. B, it like actually breaks some of those princess things I was real worried about, like the love that's at the center of the stories between the sisters, spoiler alert. Um, and so that's very, that's very helpful, um, not just about the dudes in the film. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm watching the movie, but I'm also, I'm looking over and I watch her and when the abominable snowman comes out, she, you know, kind of whimpers a little bit and curls up beside me. And that's awesome. Put my arm around, you know. Uh, yeah, we're getting comfort and everything like that. And um, when, you know, when it's exciting, she's into it. She's laughing at the snowman. She's real, like, she's picking up on the songs as they're sung. It's just huge, wonderful night. Movie ends and she is just all smiles. We get out into the lobby and she's asking me about the music, so I immediately pull out my phone, I go to iTunes, I download the soundtrack right there in the lobby of the movie theater because we're going to listen to it on the way home. 
We're going to rock out, and everything's going to be wonderful. Except that taking the time to uh, download the album, um, maybe not, not was the best decision on my part. And the reason why is because uh, the collectible bucket of Coke featuring Katniss Everdeen on the outside had like caught up with me. I really had to pee really bad. And as much as I, like one of my favorite things in the world being to take my daughter to the movies, probably the absolute thing I look forward to the least in the world is having to take my daughter to a public men's restroom because we are, are filthy. There's no surface in a public men's restroom that is appropriate to be touched. Like, there is stuff all over everything. And little kids can't help but touch everything. They can't read, you know, they have to push to hop up on. Their feet don't touch the ground, you know, and it's falling. And, you know, and they're just going to go out and, like, stick it in their mouth. You know, stick their hands in their mouth. And it's just awful. Like, I, and she, at this time, she's about, like, four and a half going on five. Like, she's become more aware of her surroundings and there's things in a public man's restroom that are out and about that you don't want her to be aware of yet it's not 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 good you know it's just not a good situation i uh, i literally avoid doing it at all costs and so this night i avoided it like had to go but we're download the album let's get in the car let's go home i'll just take care of things there so we go we get in my car we're driving home we're playing the soundtrack it's going great. We're going through it. We're singing, do you want to build a snowman? We're dancing around in the car together. And that's really helpful because, like, I've got full-on pee dance going. Like, it is moving in the front seat. We're driving. You know, thankfully, I don't have to shift or work the clutch too much so I can kind of squeeze things together a little bit and just keep it going because it is, like, building. Within, and I don't know if, like, sitting down is putting pressure on something, but it, the pressure is building Literally, and it gets to the point where I realize we're not going to make it. I mean, we only have about like 10 minutes to drive from the theater to the house. We're not going to make it. And we live in the suburbs. And pulling over and relieving oneself in someone's front yard <laughs> is frowned upon where I come from. But I think on the road that we go, on the way, there is kind of this like outpatient rehab facility that has a parking lot. I'm just going to have, like, that's where we're going to have to deal with things. And so we're going, we're listening, to, we're listening to the soundtrack, we're singing along, and I tell Story, hey, Story, Daddy's got to pull over and take care of something. You're just going to stay in the car and keep listening to the music, right? And she's like, yeah, okay, Dad, no problem. And so we're going, and I turn, I pull into the parking lot, and at that moment, my body decides to join Queen Elsa in singing her anthemic climactic song from the movie Frozen and it joins her in saying let it go let it go can't hold me back anymore and it doesn't it lets it go and it, it is going and going and going it's a scenario that I know none of you had experienced, but like, I've got to go in my pocket and rescue my cell phone <laughs> type situation. And it's like, I, I can't even put on the brake to stop. We're just kind of rolling through the parking lot as it's going. I reach over, I just turn up the volume a little bit. Finally, I stop. 
And so I stop the car and sit for a moment <laughs> and try to process what has just happened. There's no processing that. There's a lot, I, I have guilt issues. There's lots of shame and guilt and bad feelings <laughs> happening. Um, and we decide, oh, there's nothing, nothing further to be done here in this parking lot. <laughs> we will just continue on our way back to the house. Thankfully, I have rescued my phone, so I text my wife to let her know, I'm going to need some assistance when we get home. I'll need you to come out into the, into the driveway to get story, and I'm going to have to take care of some other things. Having to admit this to your wife is not an exciting situation. Had I been by myself, I would have come up with any number of other scenarios to cover, but we just had, had to make we're going to try to keep it tight just between the two of us. Maybe we can avoid story knowing, and I get home and pull into uh, the driveway. My wife has obviously been waiting for us. She comes out with a somewhat compassionately concerned, severely disappointed <laughs> look on her face, and she opens the door, and she gets Story out, and Story questions her about why I'm not getting out of the car, and Elijah's trying to say, don't worry about it. Dad's just got to do something. Just, just don't worry, and Story says, is it because grown-ups sometimes have accidents too. <laughs> I, I guess there was a smell associated. But Liza, my wife, didn't quite hear a uh, story. Uh, what exactly she said. So she said, what, what's that, baby? What'd you say? And Story just looks at her, looks at me, and just says, mm, never mind. Because, you know, as a dad, you want to protect that image of yourself for as long as you can. At some point, you're going to let your daughter down. You're going to let your children down. They're going to find out you're not the impenetrable, undefeatable hero. But you want to keep that facade up for as long as possible. And you don't want it to end in a way like that. But if you're as lucky as I am, then maybe you'll have a child like mine who will want it to last just a little bit longer, too. And we'll kind of wipe away your mistakes with just a little, mm, never mind. Thank you. That story was from me, your humble host, Chris Kinsley. And if you want to hear more of our stories, obviously subscribe to this podcast, even share it with a friend. But also don't forget to fill out our survey at arcstories.com slash survey to help us decide where we should feature events in the future. You can always keep up with our upcoming events by visiting our website, arcstories.com. Our next regular event will be on February 10th at the Avon Theater in Birmingham, Alabama. Our theme for that one is going to be Two to Tango, Stories About Love. We're still looking for some storytellers for that event, so if you have a story to tell, let us know at our website, arcstories.com. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Arc Stories podcast. I'm Chris Kinsley. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Chris Kinsley. Arc Stories is at all those places too, at Arc Stories. This podcast is produced by me and Arc Stories director Taylor Robinson. Preston Loving Good composed our theme. Special thanks to Eric Chapman from Symmetric Sound for his audio expertise, as well as to Betsy Lee, Audra Whaley, Aaron Moon, Literally Smith, Ryan Whaley, Jamie Golden, and Nate Dreger for making this episode possible. 
you like our show, please rate us and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It means the world to us. You can leave one of your own just by going to arcstories.com slash Apple. And while you're there, be sure to look around the rest of arcstories.com. You can listen to other stories, you can stay up to date with all of our events, and you can even submit your own story to tell. After all, we are always asking, what's your story? <laughs>